Welcome to the Wildlife Around You Show, a casual nature podcast with your hosts, Blaine and Lainey, both nature enthusiasts. Well, hi there. Hello. How are you? Doing very, very well. So, what animals have you seen in your adventures outside lately? Ooh, a lot of animals lately. One of the more unique ones was while we were visiting in Arizona and driving home one evening at dusk was to see a coyote cross the road walking along the canals. That was fun. It was so fun. How about you? So yesterday, as I was visiting with a friend while our kids were running around outside, looked up and saw a beautiful red-tailed hawk just soaring and doing circles above us. You could tell he or she was hunting. It was just beautiful, and I didn't want to be rude, and so the people that I was talking to was like, I'm sorry, I'm just so taken with this hawk. She's just so beautiful, and they stopped and were admiring her too, so it was a fun little break. Great. What are we going to talk about today? Today, we are going to talk about the leaf-nosed bat. Yeah. So, we came across this one uh, when we were out visiting the Sonoran Desert Museum. Bats are not always the easiest to see. No. (laughs) In your own backyard or neighborhood or around. Sometimes you'll see them flying around at night. But if you go to nature centers and zoos and stuff like that, then sometimes you can get a close-up of them. Yeah. So, this one's pretty unique. What makes this one um, different than other ones? So, these ones have very large ears. And they have the flat projection on the muzzle that often resembles a leaf, which is how they got their name. And because these bats, like all bats, echolocate, but these ones echolocate nasally, this nose leaf design on their face is thought to serve some role in modifying or directing the echolocation call. They are usually brown, gray, or black, and they're inch and a half to five inches in length from the, their head to the end of their body. And they're fairly small, but it's interesting because they can be a quarter of an ounce all the way up to seven ounces, which that's a fairly big range in weight. Yeah. So they're about they're the size of the palm. Yeah. But they can be plump. <laughs> <laughs> Some are much better hunters than others. Yeah. So they're pretty unique. They're found kind of south of where we are. They're in the southern parts of North America down to South America, specifically from the southwest of the U.S. down towards northern Argentina. And they range kind of from forest to deserts, wherever they can find the right habitat for them. Which, that's kind of surprising to me, because I would have thought that they would stick to just one area, but must mean they're adaptable. Yeah, you find, unlike many of the bats that we have here locally in Texas that are in great big colonies, these group in fairly small groups within caves or animal burrows or hollow trees, and sometimes reach colonies up into the thousands. But like the ones we are, millions of bats in a colony. So it's kind of a big, big difference. Something else unique about these compared with ours is these don't hibernate or migrate. Really? They just stay there year round. But what about their uh, descendants? So they procreate in the fall. The baby develops slowly over the winter, followed by a normal three and a half month period of rapid development in spring. In May or June, each mother produces a single pup, which she nurses for about a month. Pups are born with eyes and ears open and a body that is already furred. And their average lifespan is 20 to 30 years in the wild. Yes, they do pretty well in the wild. Yeah. 
What kind of things do they have to watch out for to make sure that they survive? <laughs> of course, raccoons. Raccoons seem to be <laughs> one of the main predators of everything. Owls, snakes, coyotes, and feral cats. So oh, what do- opportunistic. Yeah. So what do they eat? Well, these will eat various kinds of insects. So crickets, beetles, grasshoppers, katydids, june beetles, moths. They'll capture the prey while they're in flight. Or if it's on foliage or on the ground, anywhere they, they can get it. They're the only known bats in North America to catch caterpillars and are among the very few insect-eating bats that supplement their diets with cactus fruit. So most stay insect only, but these vary their diet a little bit if, if needed. So what are some fun facts about them besides that they eat caterpillars? And cactus fruit. And cactus fruit. So this species cannot crawl on thumbs and toes like most bats can. And their hearing is so good that they can hear the footsteps of a cricket. That is very sensitive hearing. Which again, I'd love to see that science experiment. (laughs) I immediately. How many crickets they see walk and then how close it is before the bat turns its head or something or acknowledges it. I don't know how they test. Yeah. I heard that cricket. Do you have a soundproof booth that only thing you have in there is a cricket? Oh, very interesting little animals. Anything else you'd like to share? No, I'd like to see one in the wild. So I guess we're going to have to go back to the desert. Yeah, don't know where we'll find one, but we'll look for it. Yep. You can always follow us on Instagram at a Porter Explorer. We hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new about wildlife that may be around you. To make sure you don't miss a future episode, please subscribe to our podcast and share it with friends. If you really liked it and are willing, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd love to see what you have to say. You can find the show notes for all our episodes at aporterexplorer.com slash podcast. So until next time, we encourage you to get outside daily and see what is around you. Thanks. Bye.